Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. Look who's coming behind the next generation, y'all. And the husband who made it all happen. Hello, Arik. Y'all be seated. This is Arik the Great. Arik Roman Ambrose. I am, hey, hey, I'm your Papa Gorilla. It's okay. This is the first time he's been exposed to humanity. <laughs> and so it's not true. He's just so happy. Yes, that's how everybody feels. It's his sleeping Sometimes. time. So anyway, so, so grateful. First grandson. Thank yes. you, Cole. You did a good job. This is Cole. Way to go. You don't know Cole. Way to go. Sometimes people call him Clay. Now, now, Keela, they look alike. Keela, I don't know if they have it ready, but when Josh was 11, I think. I was nine. You were nine, and Whitney seven. was seven. I wrote an album for children called Two Sisters and a Bro, and we went into the studio, and this was a song that Keela recorded when she was nine years old. I think they've got it. Here's my heart, Pacifica. Listen to this. So sweet. Here's my heart. Lord, I'm giving it to you. Here's my heart. Listen to this. And everything I say, and everything I do, Lord, is my If you would like to give your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are God's Son and that you died for me. Please forgive me for any mistakes I've made. Come into my heart. Thank you for loving me. I want to love you. In your name I pray, amen. Now let's sing this song together. Here's my heart. Here's my heart. (laughs) Here's my heart. Do that right now.
my dad, my dad has always led the way in our legacy, and I think that for a lot of us, you know, we look back at our families or we look at our life and things we've done, and it can be hard because sometimes when you hear the word legacy, it causes us to look back, and sometimes what's happened or what is happening isn't as positive, but the thing that I want to tell you today is that your legacy starts with you, so no matter what's happened, no matter how things have been in your family or in your life, God cares about your legacy, and he wants you to have a great legacy. And so this morning, if you are taking notes, which I encourage you to, because God can speak to you directly about what you need to hear, uh, the title of my message is God Cares About Your Legacy. For those of you that don't know, uh, just really quick, I actually run our internship college here at the church. We call it an internship, but it's a fully accredited program where they get a degree in leadership and biblical studies. And we've been able to see over the past 10 years just some of the most amazing stories come out of our internship college. And I recently was having a conversation with one of our alumni, and I actually just wanted him to share his story with you to show you how when you give your life to God, when you trust God with your story, how he can start to change not just your life and your legacy, but your family's legacy. So watch this. I'm Robert Rosario and I've been coming to this church for about 13 years now. We lived in Texas for 14. My life in high school like very difficult. Um, I chose to do what I wanted to do instead of do what God wanted me to do and I was living that type of life. Okay, I'm this way inside the church and I'm this way outside the church. And in that, it, it made it really rough for me and my family. So in 2015, I graduated high school and after that, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. T attending the church, there was always promotional videos for ELI, and there was one Sunday that I came out of auditorium and Pastor Josh met in the hallway, and he was like, man, you should really do ELI. I was like, maybe, I don't know, I don't know if that's for me. In that summer, I started thinking about it more, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna decide to do this. I'm gonna decide to go after what God wants me to do instead of what I wanna do, because in the past, it hasn't really worked, but let me actually do this for two years, let me give this to him to see what happens and see how faithful that he can be for me. During ELI, we get to sit in a class every single day and learn from amazing pastors and teachers that attend our church and they just help us grow and go to this next level. Something that I really love about the internship is that you're surrounded by people doing the same thing that you are and it's really a family of choice thing. And in that, you go to them for anything. They're always there. And what was so amazing is that they were there for me. And I told them, I'm like, man, I just want my sister to come back home. And every day we get to pray as an intern group. And that was one of my prayers every single day for my sister to come back. I had lived on my own for about 10 years in Dallas. I actually found myself homeless. Around my third trimester, um, it got to a point that I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna happen and I felt like I was the glue for my parents. He knew that she was gonna come back and he didn't know when. He knew there was God's timing that she would be back home. And there was multiple times that he would come home from the internship or call us or text us and say, she's coming, I know she's coming. I called my mom, I actually called her and texted her and I let her know that I was ready. I mean, I don't know what came over me, but it was just, it had to be God <laughs> just telling me that it's time to go home. During a young adult service, I felt a tap on my shoulder and I turned around and my sister was right there. And at that time, I just, I knew, I knew God was doing something. 
I knew God brought her back. And I just grabbed her and I hugged her and I said, this is where you're supposed to be. We fought this hard fight for many years and I knew my family was back together. She kept coming back more and more and, and my sister told my mom, I think, I think I'm gonna do the internship. I mean, I walked in my mom's room, I was like, hey, I'm joining the internship and walked out and she was like, okay, you know, and literally a week later, I signed up, I started the internship. It was an awesome first year because I was able to spend that time with my brother. Uh, our relationship wasn't strong because of all the years that had been gone. And through the internship, we reconnected. You know, my whole family, we became stronger with me being home. It was awesome because we got to grow together. We got to do more than we ever done before. So after I graduated in 2018, um, I found my husband through the internship. I thought I lost the opportunity of, of walking my daughter down the aisle. And you know, when she came back, back home, I got the opportunity back, you know, when she met Adam. And that was a, a heartwarming moment for me. And when she came back home and I had, God gave us back the opportunity. He's literally the love of my life. I couldn't have asked for anyone better to have gone through the internship with me and transform himself as well. And it was great because now I got to come on staff in the place that helped me transform my life. I get to use what I've learned in the internship and through my relationship with my family and my brother to help change the next generation and help that legacy continue for somebody else just like it, it helped me. I look back at the decision that I made to join the internship and I never knew what I was doing for myself was also going to impact my family later on and it's not going to stop even now, it's going to keep on going. In 2017 I graduated and I got offered to work here in the youth area where doing all the graphics and pictures and stuff that I was passionate about. With that, I'm changing the next generation through media and being in youth and helping these kids because it's not only about just helping them, but it's helping them change their legacy as well. stories like that and the truth is like there are too many over 10 years to even tell you that's just like one that's kind of like a more full circle one that we can share um, just a plug if you're interested in the internship there's a table in the lobby but what I want to tell you is that anybody no matter what season of life you're in no matter how old you are when you give God your life when you give him your legacy he can actually transform not just your life, but your family and the people around you that you would not have ever even known you would reach. And so today, I just wanted to uh, start off with that story because this goes beyond what we could ever think or imagine. And I wanted to start off by just telling you about something in the Jewish culture. Some of you might be familiar with Jewish culture, some of you might not, but there's this thing that they do in Jewish culture Whenever somebody passes away, they give not just possessions and money, but they pass down this thing called the ethical will. And you may have heard this term, but basically what an ethical will is, is that it's a personal letter that you give to the most important people in your lives. It conveys your values, convictions, and hopes. An ethical will is also an, a type of autobiography, not of events and dates, but of insights and intuition that define who you are and tell the world what you stand for and what we think is important. I think that this is a really cool idea because I think a lot of people 
they're focused on what they, how much money they can gain right now. Some people aren't even thinking what they can leave behind for their family. But we often don't think about leaving behind our values, leaving behind our insights, and giving our family a compass to live their life by. You know, hopefully we're passing that down in general, but I just think that's such a cool idea to be able to pass those lessons and life lessons down to your family. In chapter 15 of my mom's book, Live Your Legacy, she says, living your legacy requires a commitment to the best version of you. Now, we all know how hard it is to sometimes be the best version of yourself. I am a strong personality. I have a lot of preferences. That means I also get frustrated a lot because I have preferences. <laughs> and so sometimes it takes the power of God to help me be my best me. I don't know if any of you guys have personalities like that, but I need God's help to be the best version of myself. And it doesn't just happen. It's an ongoing, lifelong process. Uh, Pastor Sheila also states in that chapter, how you make others feel and what you teach and model through your everyday actions slowly evolves into a tightly woven tapestry of values and memories that represent your life as you lived it. You know, recently uh, we were at this intern getaway with our interns and they were doing devotionals and one of the interns was sharing how if you look at your life like a single string, you might notice how it's frayed, how it's out of place, how it doesn't really make sense. But just like Pastor Sheila said, when it's woven together in a tapestry, when you see the picture come together as God intended it, you can see how beautiful it is. I think sometimes we're looking at our legacy and we're looking at a small part that didn't work out or a small part that doesn't make sense or a small part that we don't like. But you can't see how God's going to work that together for your good. We know the scriptures, but I think a lot of times we look at stuff. I know I've found myself in times where I've literally said to God, God, I'd like to see you use this. Like, I'd like to see what you can do with this, but he created everything. He's the reason why we can sit there and go, oh, today. He's the reason why we could come into this church today. He gives purpose and meaning to everything, so why couldn't he give purpose and meaning to our life, our past, our now? And so, you know, Pastor Sheila also reminds us of this verse in Psalms 145.5. It says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. How often is it that we think about this? Not very often. We don't think, wow, I passed this test. It's supposed to be a testimony that I leave my family so that whenever they go pass a test, they can know, oh, I've already been here. This is what I did. This is how God helped me. And it provides a kind of encouragement and confidence to know they're not going alone. You've already gone before them. I think a lot of times we forget to say and talk about the faithfulness of God in our homes, in our workplace, when you're in the store, when you encounter negativity, bringing up the positive. You know, it's not often that we do that because it's not natural in our human nature. But it's so important because like the scripture says, that generation is going to know of his mighty works. Yes, they're going to experience it on their own, but couldn't they experience it so much faster by you sharing with them what they've done in your life, what he's done in your life. So uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, a righteous man is one who lives for the next generation. We're not just living for ourselves. That's our natural state, right? But God has a kingdom, and it's going to keep going even beyond our own lives. I think a lot of times we think of legacy as, well, when we die, but you're living your legacy right now. Bob Goff, who's an author, I love him. He's like the most genuine person ever. If you've read his books and you wonder if that's how he is, yes, I've met him. He's like the nicest person I've ever met. He literally says, if you want a lasting influence in the world, influence your family. If God has given you a family, 
those are the people you're supposed to start with. But God's also called us to go beyond that. Did you know that in the Bible there's an entire book of the Bible that talks about genealogies and family lines? It's kind of weird, like, why there would be time spent on that. But if you don't know what genealogy means, it just basically means a record or account of the ancestry of a person, family, or group. It traces a family line. But what I want to tell you today is that a family legacy and a your legacy goes beyond just blood. It goes beyond just your bloodline. A legacy can happen inside your family, but sometimes the most powerful legacies can actually happen outside of your family. Your influence goes beyond just the bloodline. Your family is the most important place to have and build a legacy, but also it has a greater reach beyond you for good and for bad. You know, I don't think a lot of times we think about that sometimes there's negative legacies that are left. And if you're not being intentional, you're kind of leaving it up in the air if it's going to be positive or negative. You're leaving a legacy, but you get to choose which one you want to leave. In chapter 13 of Pastor Sheila's book, this chapter is called Pass It On. I begin to think about how she said, He is the Lord of history who weaves together stories of individuals, generations, and nations into his eternal purpose. He has an eternal purpose for each one of us, and it fits together in his kingdom. She says, Jesus modeled such intention when he chose the 12 disciples to follow him. He poured his life into them. He showed them the way he thought and the way he loved and thereby left a model for how we all need to live. That is, he passed on his legacy not by living for himself, but by giving of himself. She reminds us what Jesus even told the disciples, and this same thing applies to us in John 14, 12 through 14. It says, what I'm about to tell you is true. Anyone who believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. In fact, they will do even greater things. That's because I'm going to the Father and I will do anything you ask in my name. Then the Father will receive glory from the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So if Jesus is going to the Father for us and we get to ask anything in his name, have you ever thought, well, how did Jesus live his legacy? What does that look like? Well, I want us to look to the book of Matthew. If you didn't know, the book of Matthew is the first book in the start of the Gospels. The Gospel just means the good news. It's basically telling us the story of Jesus and how we can be a part of being saved, how we can be a part of his family. And I think it's really interesting. This is something that caught me kind of off guard. And to be completely honest, if I've read it in the Bible, I've kind of skipped over it because <laughs> I didn't understand the meaning of it. And I think we can do that sometimes in the Bible because it's a lot of historical context and a lot of meaning. If you've ever read like Shakespeare, <laughs> You don't know what they're talking about. You're like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> you know? But I think sometimes certain things in the Bible can be that way unless you just go deeper. So I want to take you deeper today into this because we could pass by this and not realize what it means. In Matthew 1, 1, it says, this is the written story of the family line of Jesus the Messiah. He is the son of David. He is also the son of Abraham. This introduction can help us understand two things about Jesus, his mission and his identity. He is called the son of Abraham and the son of David, which could be kind of weird because his dad's name was Yeshua. Yahweh. He was Yeshua. Sorry, I said that wrong. Yahweh was his father. And we think about, well, we hear the son of Abraham, son of David. What does that mean? Well, the son of Abraham connects Jesus to the father of Israel. Abraham represents that God has a family, a chosen people. This brings the reader back to the fact that God has promised to bless and rescue us. The son of David, this brings the attention to the royal line of Jesus. Matthew wanted to show us that Jesus was the rightful heir to the throne of David. 
Matthew, he was the writer of this book, but it's, it's interesting because he intent, he's not talking about himself. He's intentionally reminding people and highlighting Jesus' genealogy for a purpose. Now, I want to get to this weird part that you might not have picked up on. But he specifically highlights four women in Jesus' genealogy that I want to point out. There was five including Mary, but four of these I want to point out because it's very uncommon that you would mention women in a genealogy. It's more uncommon that you would mention these types of women. You might recognize some of these names, Tamar, Rahab, Bathsheba, and Ruth. A lot of these women were connected to some kind of scandal or sin. Now, why would he mention this? Matthew wanted his readers to understand that God uses all types of people to move his plan forward. These were not women that belonged to the tribe of Judah. They were not Israelites. They were not a part of God's chosen people. They were outsiders. They were scandalous. They were attached to things that maybe you wouldn't want to be attached to in that time. But this viewpoint shows us that God is inclusive. He's an inclusive God, and he even includes those that people would see as outsiders or rejects. Jesus expands his family, even beyond his bloodline, through his alignments and his followers. We call this a family of choice. He called it in the Bible his disciples. He invites us to do the same thing in our life in Matthew 28, 19. says, make disciples of all nations. This shows me that while we need to start building our legacy in our family, God has a higher calling even outside of your family. He doesn't want us to just start with our family and be like, well, I'm good, I've left a legacy. What are we doing in our life that's actually going beyond our family and multiplying the kingdom of God? You know, I, I look at the story of Jesus and he was always honoring and loving towards his family. We see his brother James in the book of James. If you've never read that book, it's really good. He's probably like really close to Jesus, so he's smart, you know. But we see Jesus live and spend the most time, invest his legacy into the people who followed him, who chose to do life with him. Through the story of Jesus and how Matthew shows us this viewpoint, we can see this, that everybody has the ability to live a legacy and be in a family that changes the world because it goes beyond blood. I'm so grateful that we have a God like that, that you don't have to come from Jewish descent to be a part of his family. The generations that are shown in the beginning of Matthew helps us see the character of God. You see, your sin, your scandal, your failure cannot outdo the promises of God in your life. God still has a plan and it's even greater than you could imagine. You can't come from the wrong family you didn't come from the wrong place. You didn't have the wrong things that are inside of you. God wants to use every single thing inside of you. He brought you through the family that he brought you through. He brought you through the parents that he brought you through. He brought you through the situations and the country and the socioeconomic place that you're in for a reason so that you can contribute to the kingdom of God and the family in the specific way that he's called you to. In the book of Matthew, his overall focus and what he's bringing out shows you that Jesus' presence brings light into over 400 years of darkness. And because of Jesus, we have the ability to be a part of the legacy and a future that we couldn't have otherwise had. When we come to Jesus and we choose to follow him, we become the children of God. You can be a part of the legacy of God 
when you choose to be a child of God. In, for, in John 1, 12 through 13, it says, some people did accept him and did believe in his name. He gave them the right to become the children of God. To be a child of God has nothing to do with human parents. Children of God are not born because of human choice or because a husband wants them to be born. They are born because of what God does. I think a lot of us have believed the lie that you were an accident, that you weren't planned, that maybe you weren't special in your family. You know, I uh, am a middle child. I think middle child, like children have a reputation for being different. I would say I fall into that category. But I think that for all of us, no matter where you fall, you can think that you're insignificant at times. There's been times in my life where I've thought, you know what, if I was here or not here, would it matter? If I, if I decided to not be here, would anybody care? You know, we have those thoughts. But God thinks you are so significant. We heard this so many times. Why would a God take the time to know the hairs on your head? I shed hair all the time. Does that mean he's keeping up with it? Like, sometimes I'm like, where'd this baby hair come from? I plucked it out. And I'm like, well, God knows. Like, if he cares about that insignificant of a thing, why wouldn't he care about the deepest things that you care about? Sometimes we pass by that and we hear like, oh, he collects our tears. What? Like you're telling me every time I cry, he knows. Like that's how much God loves you. And so when I look at this and I look at how Matthew starts this gospel, I can understand Jesus is the whole reason for mentioning this genealogy because through his family, we can look at our past darkness, we can look at our past history, but we can understand that it's not more important than the legacy that we get to live because of Jesus. When you know what we're all aware of, if you've heard any of these messages in, the, in this series and you've heard about legacy, when you hear these things, you can understand, okay, I want to have a legacy. You now have the awareness enough that you can choose to win. Don't let the enemy lie to you and make you think, well, you've already done so much wrong or you already came from this kind of family or your name means this, people know you like people know your family. No, God literally has a plan for you and you just get the choice to step into winning when you become aware of it. So I love that even if our personal legacy or our family legacy hasn't been positive, we have the ability to change it right now because your legacy starts with you. You know, just a quick story, when me and Cole, my husband, we were on our honeymoon a couple years ago, we were just talking about family names because I've always been really proud of my family name, mainly because of how my parents have chosen to live and uh, chosen to do their life. And I also like that my last name means power, so that's pretty cool. Uh, if you didn't know that, craft means power. And so I like that. But I also like what the power is that's behind that name because of the choices that my parents have made, and I want to continue to live that way. So we were talking about that, and he was just saying, you know, like, I don't really know much about the name Ambrose. I don't really think, I don't know if it comes from anything good. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know. And I was like, I'm a researcher, so if you don't know that about me, I research everything. I get in-depth with stuff. So I found where his family came from, where they settled all the way back. And I was able to trace it back to 
He's related to a man named Aurelius Ambrose, who is St. Ambrose, which if you know anything, he was the Bishop of Milan. And he's the guy who, he wasn't like a priest. He didn't go to seminary or anything like that. But they, the people of that town asked him to be the bishop because he was one of them. And he loved people so much, they were like, we want you to be our bishop. And he was like, no, no, no. But he ended up doing it. And guess what he believed? He believed that the Bible was for everybody. He didn't believe that it was just for the priest. He didn't believe that it should be separated. He believed that we should all have access to the word of God. And you know, it was interesting. We actually were in like areas in Europe and we, we were like just talking about St. Ambrose. We were talking about how amazing it was. And we had walked by this church so many times and we realized it was a church of St. Ambrose. And they were all over the world. And what I came to realize is that in St. Ambrose's family, his family went out and literally started churches in every city they were in. And if you look all over the world, there's St. Ambrose churches everywhere. And I think that there's something interesting to this because a lot of times our history, our names can be lost. But what I look at that story and I look at is that God was still building something. And I was actually able to walk past and walk in that church and realize this was a heritage that was before me that I didn't even know. And God's doing that in your life. You might, not have, you might not have a cathedral, you might not have something, but God is always building his kingdom. We just get to choose to be a part of it. And any, any point you're not choosing to be a part of, it, part of it, I think we're kind of missing out. Because the Bible reminds us that we are heirs in his kingdom. So when me and Cole had that experience, like we realized, man, like he got saved when he was 19. But... He didn't know about this, like, Christian heritage in his family. But I look at that and I go, you know what? We have, we have like, legacy stories now to tell our son and, and values that we have that line up with some of that. And it's really cool because we can pass by that just like we passed by that church so many times. Don't pass by the opportunity today to start your legacy, to build a legacy by being a part of God's legacy. So we look at this story in Matthew and we see how... Jesus brings light into years of darkness. And I want to tell you that you can do the same thing in your life and in your family. You can choose to live a legacy that you want to leave and bring light where there may have been darkness. You know, some of us, we've messed up. Some of us, our history isn't something we want to carry on. But instead of believing the lies of the enemy and feeling shame, understand that God is the restorer and the redeemer. So what looked like it was lost, what looked like it was wrong, what looked like it was messed up, you're just giving him, with your mess, you're giving him ammunition to create a message through his power and do miracles in your life and see the redemption of God. But you have to choose to go, God, here it is. It's not useful unless you put it in his hands. That's one of the things I've found in my life. Whatever's messed up in my life, it, have you ever wondered, like, why did this happen? I've said that to God, I'm like, God, why? Like, for real, why? Well, you're not going to know why until you put it in his hands. You're just going to sit there and go, well, this isn't cool. This does, didn't work out for me. Well, you're not seeing what God can do with it yet because you haven't given it to him. So it doesn't have purpose. There's purpose in your pain, but you've got to give it to the one who gives you the promise. So God shows us through the life of his son that he cares about your legacy. He shows us that everyone can be in that legacy. And your legacy starts with you. I have this belief that whatever you choose to be aware of, you can have authority in. The caveat here is you got to make positive change. So 
you don't actually gain authority in something if you don't make good changes along the way. Now, for me, sometimes I'm aware of something for like years and it just takes a long time for me to get it. And sometimes it's going to be a lifelong journey. But you know what? In my life, if I'm aware of something, why not fight to gain authority in it by doing what I can? Even if sometimes I have to get back on, you know, like my mom said something in my intro when they were introing me. Sometimes Keila doesn't smile at me. That's something I have to work on because sometimes I think I'm smiling and I'm not. You know, like right now with my baby, I know I'm smiling because my face hurts so bad at the end of the day. Cause I'm like, you know, I don't just walk around like that. I think that would be kind of scary if I was like, <laughs> you know, but with my baby, I do that. So that's something I'm, try it, try it, try it. Work on those cheek muscles. My dad told us in uh, Two Sisters and a Bro, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. So I'm going to use less muscles and smile more. Okay. But I think a lot of times, you know, we have to work on something because you can be aware of it and be like, oh, shoot, for like years. <laughs> and so we have to actually ask God for help. That's how you make positive changes. A lot of times you can't do it on your own, whether it's been a generational thing that's been passed down, whether it's an addiction, whether it's just something that you're not good at. I need the power of God to help me make positive changes. And guess what he does? He gives you the ability to gain authority in that. So we must become first aware of who our father is. I think a lot of us, you know, I was talking to my husband about this a couple weeks ago. For guys and girls, a lot of our biggest issues stem to daddy issues. Either they weren't there, we don't know who they are, or they weren't a good father, right? Like they, all stems, a bunch of different issues stem to that. Well, if we know in the kingdom of God who our father is, you have the best father. You can look at your family values. You can look at his characteristics and model those. You don't need a physical dad. I believe that God can bring you that as, as someone that you can look to, like a spiritual father like Pastor Keith. But God is our father. He's already given us a path. Like we can see what his son did, Jesus, through the Bible and model that. And guess what? You're going to win. So we believe the lies of the enemy of like you're deficient because you don't have a father. Well, when you know who your father is, you can actually make a choice to be in his family. And understand that you're already chosen. If you're already chosen, what does that mean? You're just making the choice to go. You're not saying, please choose me as your child. No, you've already been chosen. All you got to do is walk in the, I always just tell my dad, I want to be an heiress. You know, I'd be like, I want to be an heiress. I grew up in like the era where like you saw like Paris Hilton on everything and it was like she just, her dogs had a house, you know, it was like, it's really cool. I was like, I want to be an heiress. He was like, you are an heiress in the kingdom of God. I'm like, okay, okay. But it's true. You have access to whatever you need with God, whether it's finances, relationships, opportunities. But guess what? If you're not in alignment with your family, why would those opportunities happen for you? Your dad's not going before you and preparing the way because you're not following him. So we all have this chance to leave a legacy that's greater than ourselves, our family, and it lasts beyond us. And this happens in the kingdom of God, in the family of God. If God cared enough to inspire Matthew to show the legacy of Jesus at the start of the gospel, then how much more should we understand that he cares about our legacy? Like just think about that. God is the one that inspired the word of God that happened in the Bible. If he inspired Matthew to start with the genealogy of Jesus, but then including how he had a family of choice, it shows you that you are chosen by God, but you get to choose to be in the family. 
So that means he cares about you individually. Exactly how you are, exactly where you are today, he cares about you. He wants you to have a great legacy. God's story should be able to be traced through our life. People should see his love, his faithfulness, his promises in our life. We're the ones that have the choice to be an example as a child of God in the world. I think a lot of times we hear that word Christian and we treat Christianity like it's a religion. I don't, I'm not a religious person. Like I know you hear Christians say, I'm not a religious person. Well, a lot of people treat Christianity like a religion because they're like, I show up on Sundays, I show up on Easter, I show up on Christmas, and then sometimes I pray for my food. And they're like doing this like it's like, well, I'm doing all the right things. No, Christianity is a way of life. It's a relationship. It's a two-way conversation. Other religions is just you doing things for, to appease this higher being. With God, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He cares about you. Yes, we're in the house of God, and right now we're the family of God in this house. But he cares individually and specifically about you. So it's a way of life. And I think a lot of times we can have this thought process that we can believe the lie, oh, well, this Christianity thing's not working out for me. Well, if you really look at it, a lot of us aren't very good at living our family values in the kingdom of God. We're not walking it out. We've said the prayer, we believe it, but not enough to live it. And so the ultimate legacy that you can leave is the same one that Jesus left. To love God and love others like God loves them. You know, you guys know that's hard. <laughs> like, we just throw out love, like, love, love, love. Like, I don't know if you've ever walked by someone when you have your mask under your nose. It's hard to love somebody when you're like, put your mask up. You're like, I will do what I want. You know, like, <laughs> we, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have things, like, even right now in life that are confronting to us. Or maybe you're on the other side and you're like, you better pull up that mask over your nose. Whatever your beliefs are. And it's like, it's hard to love people sometimes based on where we're at. We need the help of God to love. We need the help of God to love ourselves. But at some point, we're all going to die. But the goal is to leave beyond, leave something beyond just what is monetary. We want to leave something that lasts, what matters beyond our own life. Martin Luther King Jr. said, The end of life is not to be happy, nor to achieve pleasure and avoid pain, but to do the will of God come what may. So that means no matter what things look like politically, no matter what things look like in the economy, no matter what things look like in the world, no matter what the media tells you, no matter what you're seeing in the world of like unrest and disruption and separation, you know in the kingdom of God we love, we're going to do the will of God. These are our family values no matter what. It doesn't matter what country we came from, if we're citizens or not, what background we came from, what side of the aisle we fall on, what our socioeconomic position is. All the things that we would try to separate or make ourselves, well, you don't understand this. No, but in the kingdom of God, we have the opportunity to experience what he has for us outside of all those things. We don't have to be limited by what we see, what we know, what we feel. Yes, those are very real things that we have to deal with. And God can help us with a lot of those things. And there's a lot that needs to change in the world. But the world is not the kingdom of God. We get to be the kingdom of God in the world. So that means we have to live it. What is the difference between us and anybody else? If you're not living the legacy you want to leave, no one will know the difference in you and an atheist. 
You're going to respond the same. You're going to feel the same. You're going to express the same. You're going to post the same. There should be a difference. Our choices show our legacy in action. Sometimes we think our legacy is at the end. No, your legacy is happening now. Today can be a part of that legacy that's bigger than you or me. Maya Angelou, who I love, said, if you're going to live, leave a legacy. Make a mark on the world that can't be erased. You know, there's a lot of things in my life that I know about my family, and there's a lot of things that I don't know about my family. You know, I'm almost 32, and as you get older, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Like, I feel like I'm doing that a lot. My parents kind of make fun of me about that, but I like, you know, I'm always learning. So uh, in my mom's book, there's a section where she talks about her grandmother, which is my great-grandmother. And for those of you that don't know, I was married before my husband had an affair and left, and this was a couple years ago, and like amazingly by the grace of God, God gave me my husband Cole and I'm living like the best life ever and I have a baby and it's amazing. But if I look back on that season of my life, I remember thinking like if there was just someone that had gone before me that I could follow them. Because my family, my parents are together. Everyone that I know in my immediate family that are alive, they're together. They have issues, but they're together. And I, I didn't have anybody that I was like, well, like, have you ever felt like, well, what do you do? Like, when something happens and you never walked that path before, you're like, is there a book on it? Like, does the Bible specifically talk about this? Like, how do I respond? And I felt, to be completely honest, like a failure. Growing up in traditional church, not this church, but growing up in traditional church, you feel like, well, you should never be divorced. You can't, that's a sin. And then, like, if you do this, you're disqualified for ministry. There are people that thought I should be fired because my husband left me and had an affair. And there's all these things and these judgments that come and you start to think, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe, maybe like I'm disqualified from the family of God because I've done this, this, or that. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says you're disqualified. I've never been able to find a verse that explains that. And I read, I read in my mom's book about my great-grandmother that her husband had an affair and left her. And she continued to be faithful. She continued to trust God. I know about my dad's grandmother, my mamma, my great-grandmother on that side. Her husband left her, had an affair. But she continued to be faithful, continued to trust God. And you know, I didn't know all of those stories when I was in my season. But I think God shows you things in a certain season when you need it. And I was reading about this and I started thinking like, man, I had this desire for the answer now. And I wanted to know now what to do and how do I handle it. But I had these two women on either side of my family that were like the sweetest women. They were strong, but they were sweet. But I never heard them say anything bad about my great-grandfather. That's why I didn't even know. They weren't talking negative. Guess what they did? They stayed consistent in the house of God. They stayed consistent in pouring into their children. And while everybody under them has their own choices to make, if I look at their life, they weren't perfect, but they continued to honor God. And I look at their lives and I go, God placed people in my family that sowed seeds for me. That because of how they lived, my parents are together. My parents chose to live the life that they lived because of their example in the midst of that. So much of my generation has seen divorce and brokenness and they think, well, I'm not getting married, it doesn't work. How the world does marriage doesn't work. If you look at marriage like a contract, you will break it. 
But if you look at it like God does like a covenant, it goes beyond our failures, our flaws, what we're not good at, and God gets involved. But I look at my two great-grandmothers on either side that went through the exact same thing, and I'm like, God loved me that much that I can look at my life and go, I can affect my son's life. I can affect his children's life. And they don't have to see the residue of the negative. They can just see that I've worked hard with God to have authority in my life in that area. And so it was such an encouragement to me. And I think a lot of times we don't realize the things that God's even done in our families and how he's sown seeds that go before you that have helped set you up to win. Because I was able to follow God in my situation. I was able to trust God. I wasn't perfect. But I look at, like, I'm healthy now. I'm not wrapped up in the mess. I'm not, I don't have residue on me. I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not living hurt. And I look at that and I go, my grandmothers didn't either. My great-grandmothers didn't. And I'm so grateful for that. And I want to be that kind of person. I'm flawed. I'm going to make mistakes at times. I'm not going to have a perfect life the perfect American Christian life. But I'm going to have the life that God has for me. And I'm going to be faithful with the life that God's given me because my legacy starts with me. Even though my parents have set up a great legacy for me to follow, I have a choice to live out my legacy. And you have a choice to live out your legacy. Inheritance is what we leave to others, but legacy is what we leave in them. So many times it's hard for us, even as Americans, to think, well, what are we leaving behind, like monetary and a will? But what are you investing in somebody today? Are you investing in yourself? Because if you're not, you're not going to have anything to draw from. But God's called you to not just do this in your family, but do it outside of your family as well. I want to leave you with this final thought and live your legacy. God's desire is that we live with an eye toward eternity. His kingdom come and his will be done now. Ask yourself. What are you doing today that will make a difference in tomorrow? You know, a lot of us, we, we can look at what's not worked. And it can make us uh, yield where we should be moving. We can look at how, well, I tried that before, but it didn't work. Well, I, I thought I believed that, but it didn't happen for me. We have all these things that we believe that are keeping us from what God has for us. And God's sitting there. You know, in the Bible, it says that he stands at the door and he knocks. Our job is to just open that door. God already has a family. He's not like trying to create it. He has a family. He's already chosen you. He calls you his child. Your only job is to call him father back, to recognize his place in your life as your father. Now, whenever you receive Jesus, that's the first step is to recognize who he is. The rest of your life is the walking it out. And there's going to be hard times. There's going to be difficult times. There's going to be great times. But the greatest thing about God is that you never do it alone. Sometimes I wonder in my life, how do people handle that on their own? And the answer is they don't. They don't handle it very well. And so if the greatest thing that we can choose to do is be a part of God's legacy, I just want to ask you a question. Have you received him as your father? Do you recognize him as your father? Are you living with God as your father? Are you following him? Are you reflecting the family values? You know, for a lot of us, there's some areas that we probably need to work on.
for me, there's areas I need to work on. And it's going to be a lifelong thing. Like, I wish I could just get it and it was done. Do you ever feel that way? Like, could I just, could I just have a good attitude forever and just be done? <laughs> could I just, like, get this? Could I, could I just tithe once and then I get a return? Like, could I just, could I see it work? But if you look at the Bible, if you look at how God works, it happens over time and it's a deep investment. If it was surface, it wouldn't really be worth anything. You know, when you look at your family and you look at life, I think about like a tree. If a tree is going to grow tall, if it's going to be healthy, it's going to have deep roots. And they don't just change. The roots are there. A lot of us, we like are trying to like build something real tall, but we don't have the deep roots. God wants us to go deeper today. Follow him deeper. You don't even have to like, you don't even have to dig. It's already there. You just got to follow him. The Bible tells us that he goes before us and he, par- he prepares the way for our victory. That means like he's already in the winning, like he's in the end zone. We're just like, I've got the ball, I'm coming. You know, like all you got to do is bring him the ball. Like all you got to do is bring him your heart. All you got to do is, is prioritize your finances. All you got to do is like go, God, you know what, you're first in everything. And guess what that does? That invests in your own family, in your own kids, in your coworkers, in the people next to you in the store. When they see you doing something different, they're like, something's different about you. There should be something different about us. So can I just pray with you today? If, if you've never received Jesus, if you've never walked down that path and recognized him as your father, I want to pray with you. But also, if you're a person in this room and you just say, I want to reflect the family values. I want to invest into the legacy that's going to last beyond myself. I'm going to be a part of the legacy of the kingdom of God. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if, if you're either one of those people today, I just want to pray for you if you would just raise your hand. I'm not going to count or anything. You can just raise your hand between you and God. Just an action to say, I acknowledge this. Awesome. So if you would, everybody in this room... Just pray this with me out loud, like not just in your heart. Only God knows what goes on in your heart. The enemy knows what you do. So we're going to show him today this is who we are by what we say and how we live and what we do. And this is called declaring out of your mouth what you believe, okay? It's taking action on it. This is called faith. So say this with me, everybody. Say, God, I believe you are my father. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Forgive me for any mistakes I've made. Come into my heart, in Jesus' name, amen. And God, I thank you for every single person in this room that raised their hand or that meant to raise their hand. I just pray that they would know that they are your children, that you have an amazing plan for them. That no matter what has happened, no matter what's even happening right now, God, you have greatness for them. God, I thank you that you use everything in our life for our good. It says for those that love you, you use everything in their life for good. So God, I pray that we would be characterized as people who love you, who see you as a father, who place you as first in our life. We know that this prayer and these things that we know are just knowledge, but the life that we live is the action part where we gain authority. God, I just pray that you would just 
you would reach everyone individually today where they're at in their mind, their heart, their life. God, I speak against any distraction, any discouragement of the enemy. God, nothing that he has planned can succeed over your plans unless we let it. So God, I pray that we would follow you so that even what the enemy had planned works for us. God, you're the redeemer, you're the restorer. God, you're the one who created everything. You're the reason why we can breathe today, why we're here, why we can even have a family and a life, and we want to thank you for it. And God, we just want to be a part of your family like never before. God, we pray that we do live the legacy that we want to leave, and the enemy can't do anything about it. God, we seal this word, whatever it was for us, and I just pray that we'd walk out of here with a new confidence that we are an heir in your kingdom. So we don't have to let what the world looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like affect us because we are in your family more than anything else. We're dictated, we, like how we live should be dictated by what you say, what you see because it's bigger. The Bible tells us your ways are higher, your thoughts are higher, and you're always calling us up higher. So God, we want to see what you see. We want to feel what you feel. God, we want to live how you want us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's my heart, Lord, I'm giving it to you. Here's my heart. Come on, y'all, sing it. Lord, I want to be like you with everything I say and everything I do. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at keelacraftambrose.com.